Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Welcome back to another episode of Tis the Podcast, the podcast that's determined to keep the Christmas spirit alive 365 days per year. I'm Anthony. I'm Julia. I'm Tom. And how is your week, guys? I had a good week. It's wild. It's fast. <laughs> yeah. It's always fast in the summer, right? Those summer days drifting away. But uh-oh, those summer nights. You better hush your mouth right now with that nonsense. <laughs> There should be no grease talk today. I had to do it after your picture. I hate grease so much. I'm glad I'm not the only person that hates grease. Nope. Like, I knew you did, Tom. But, like, I had friends kind of come out of the woodwork that also hate grease. And then Dwayne steps in there. Tinsel Tunes Dwayne is like, I love grease. Grease is amazing. And I just did not expect that from Dwayne, from my buddy Dwayne. No, I thought he was so cool. What about you, Tom? How was your week? How was your week, Anthony? Sorry. Try please, you go first, Anthony. No, 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 Tom, please. I insist. I insist. You. Please, I insist. Tom. By you go first. Age before beauty. So definitely, <laughs> definitely you then. You're going to be the big four. <laughs> no, I'm talking youth. I'm letting youth go first. <laughs> I'm letting the young person go in lieu of the beautiful person. I'll take it. It was fine. <laughs> so it's a long week. A long week. I did record, though, with Matt Yurich of TGI Podcast last night. We talked Space yeah. Jam. And that Ooh. dude is a wealth of knowledge about sports, which is why I wanted to talk about it with him. And there is, he had a lot of interesting tidbits for a movie about the Looney Tunes. I'll tell, I'll tell you that. Well, yeah, it's kind of his J-O-B, isn't it? Yep, exactly. He's a good guy. I like him a lot. A wealth of knowledge about, did you say Looney Tunes? A wealth of knowledge about sports, but he had a wealth of knowledge about a movie starring the Looney Tunes. <laughs> I mean, that's, it's like a, it's not a trifecta. What is it when it's two things? Difecta? There's, yeah, there's no catchy word for that. That's uh, a thing. If you want to go Star Wars terminology, it's a dyad in the form. It's a dyad. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I like Matt Urich. He's good people. He is good people. I bet he I hates Greece. I searched "difecta" and the first that comes up is an Urban Dictionary. So maybe let's not use that term anymore. I don't know what the definition is, but I don't want to. <laughs> don't do Urban Dictionary. I love Urban Dictionary. You would. <laughs> did you just answer yourself as one of us i did <laughs> uh, we don't even have to say it out loud anymore tommy's just gonna do it for us i like it that just makes my job that much easier how is your week tomas i'm ready for bed are you long day again i, I am yeah yeah it's all good how's though. how's the conference we, planning going i'm assuming yeah. that's a large part of it it is it'll be done on oh it'll be over tuesday i can't wait it's gonna be That's fun. exciting. We exciting. planted a bunch more garden 
I built an 18 by 14 foot raised bed. We got Ooh. our pool. Uh, our pool is almost open and we just got new patio furniture today. You are just really preparing for the season. We are. We got our, our deck favorite season next week. Right. I'm going to try to be more jolly during summer this year where we've got our nice new fan over our deck. We've got our uh, new deck furniture. We've got, mm -hmm. I just ordered a ton of uh, pinion wood because that causes the mosquitoes to shoo away. They don't like the smell of burning yes. pinion. I have heard so that. We installed a big umbrella over at least part of the pool. We have a little bubbler. And so my, my pale lady ladies of my home can go outside and enjoy during summer or during the, the, the sun times. And so my mama's coming. So I'm taking off some time off work. I'm going to hang out with my mama for the first time since COVID. That's awesome. Gosh, How well long is she staying? She's only going to be able to stay for like five days right now. Still, that'll be really nice to see her. Yeah. yeah. We're trying to get Christine comfortable to getting out of the house so we can head down to Houston. Yeah, that would be fun. Did y'all watch yeah. the Oscars? I did. I mean, most of it. I watched most of it. Man. I did not. Questlove needs to do the music for the Oscars like every year. It was, did you enjoy it? Because you might be I the only person. I no, just the Oscars in general this year. Oh. Because it had a very different, but it was a very Dundee's vibe, it. like a cheap Dundee's vibe. That's all I'm saying. You know what they should have done? They should have and hosted it in that gorgeous open area with all of like the flowers and all of that stuff, like where they had tables and people were eating and all of that, where you saw all the pre-show stuff. That's where they should have done it. It was way prettier on the inside of that train depot. And they missed people in the in memoriam, which annoyed a lot of people. Who did they miss? Uh, Jessica Waters, Lucille Bluth, we covered her. She wasn't there. Yeah. Uh, the girl from Glee who drowned saving her kid, uh, Santana, I forget her name. Naya Rivera. Yep. Oh, man. And that, I was disappointed with that also. It went so fast. You couldn't even see, like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. You couldn't, I don't know. I feel like it, it wasn't that fast in previous years. So that was an interesting choice to me. But we got to see Glenn Close do debut, which was like his <laughs> favorite thing ever. I mean, the highlight for me was that one actress's, uh, the supporting actress's speech. I forgot the woman's name, the older Asian woman. She was From Minnery. awesome. Yeah, she yeah, was she awesome. Yeah, she was great. She had such great. a good and funny speech. Yeah, I liked it. I liked her a lot. Yep. What did you think of it overall, Anthony? I thought it was like, <laughs> I talked to my friend Ken right after, and Ken's like, the biggest award show guy I know. And I was like, Ken, it's no wonder these keep going lower and lower in the ratings every year. He he hated it too. He was like, he just thought the whole thing looked cheap. Yeah. And was like just weirdly done this year. Yeah. But yeah. So we didn't even have one last year, right? I can't even remember mm, now. I don't think so. Okay. So they just totally skipped it. And then I guess they awarded stuff. How did they even give out awards last year? Or did they just not? I don't know. I mean, I didn't I get an Oscar last year. Could have been your one chance there. What should um, you, what should, what would you have won one for? If we were all going to win an Oscar, what would each of us win for? Best comedic performance. Debatable. Nope. <laughs> be like sound editing or something. <laughs> <laughs> At, what, I mean, that one after that. Uh, after last week's episode. <laughs> 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 Um, yeah, I just, I, I'm 
not really into award shows. Christine likes the music ones, but especially like I haven't seen most of the, the movies nominated last year. So, yeah, that's part of the issue, right? Is a lot of the stuff just it's hard for me to get excited about stuff I this year. Yeah, yeah, movies. I've well, been the- watching Star Wars in the beginning again, like episode Ooh. one all the way through. And let me tell you, those prequels are a lot better than I remember them too. Really? A lot better. Okay. Do you like Jar Jar Binks second go around? I mean, go around, fifth go around? I mean, Jar Jar Binks aside, like the actual story, I think they did really well, at least in terms of like Anakin's corruption and that long game the Emperor was playing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. Gosh, I haven't and watched I, those in years. It's and I love Natalie Portman. So, yep. Hmm. I feel about Hayden Christensen. I didn't hate him this time around, which is good because he's going to be in the Obi-Wan series. So better get used to him. That's right. They both said recently in an interview that uh, they improvised a lot of their stuff in those movies. In the second one, Attack of the Clones, and they're the lovey-dovey romance one. And uh, a lot of their improvised takes were inappropriate. So I'm starting, instead of release the Snyder cut, I'm going to say release the inappropriate cut because I want to know what oh. those two were saying to each other. Wouldn't that be entertaining? Do we think it's up to I the level of the ant in the movie tonight? Was that a good segue? Did I, did I win the segue tonight? I think so. It was solid. Tonight we are covering the 2016 film, Almost Christmas. I think IMDb best sums up this movie in their description. A dysfunctional family gathers together for their first Christmas since their mom died. And that's really what this movie is. It's, there's so much going on, but it really uh, revolves around this dysfunctional Block family. Mm-hmm. And I said this to Anthony and Julie before we got on. We've covered a lot of dysfunctional family mo- Christmas movies recently, and none of them have given me the feels or made me want relate to these dysfunctional families. I felt like I could walk into this family and be right at home. I loved it. Same. <laughs> and that's what I was going yeah. to say too. Like the thing I appreciate about this were it wasn't like it's like a different dysfunctional than like Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. And the ref, which are both like over the top and everything, this one, yeah. like I could have walked in and it was like real dysfunction. Like, I feel mm-hmm. like most people have probably experienced a Christmas like this or no friends who've experienced a Christmas like this or have had like a family member, at least one of these problems going on. Like it yeah. felt real to me. And I really liked that. And I wasn't mm-hmm. sure. And I'm sure we'll get into it during the plot. I wasn't sure how. I was a little nervous watching it, what you two would think, because I was like, "Uh uh-oh, infidelity plot. They're going to say, Anthony, Anthony, of course, Anthony likes this movie. But but they don't paint it in a good light, though. Exactly. That was going to be on my rebuttal. At least, like, this had a better outcome than Love Actually. This has a really good outcome on me, on it. Um, Well, Anthony, we'll give you the the infidelity storyline just to, you know, it feels natural. (laughs) <laughs> Danny Glover is our patriarch here who lost his wife and is trying to bring his family together. You can tell there's tension among his children and he's trying to get them through that for the five days that they're going to be together for Christmas, right? I'm not going to dive into Danny Glover much because we've covered him before on the Christmas train. Gabrielle Union plays one of the daughters. She plays Rachel. I will always remember my first encounter with her where she played opposite Kirsten Dunst in the 2000 movie, Bring It On, which still to this day is absolutely amazing. Christy and I watched it recently when she was, it's one of those movies that she likes to watch when she doesn't feel well, like that and Legally Blonde and Clueless, which we just watched with Ellie. And they have a kid's edition of Clueless, the book. 
Those really? three, those yeah. three are like the perfect trifecta added Mean Girls, and it's like the perfect four movie comfort movies to watch. I totally they are it. great. And the other one I like is the Lindsay Lohan Freaky Friday. That one gives me all the good feels. <gasps> I too. love that, that movie. It's such a good one. Jamie Lee Curtis and Lindsay Lohan trading places. I'll just say about the Freaky Friday one, Jamie Lee Curtis. That climax scene at the end like the battle of the bands where Lindsay Lohan's solo is coming up and then you see Lindsay, L- Jimmy Lee Curtis and the wings rocking out on the guitar so it's like good. Oh, so good and a pretty decent song too I'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah no it's a totally decent song yep it was it was it was I I like that whole movie it's good anyway Gabrielle Union has grown up since her days and bring it on actually her career goes way back before that uh, uh, she looks great for her. She still looks the same. She may have grown up, she, but she looks the same. Yeah, doesn't age. She did some smaller roles early on when she was much younger back on Moesha and Family Matters. She was on Dave's World. But yeah, her she had a, a recurring role on Sister, Sister, which was another great movie. They also have a, what is that one called? Crud, hold on. He and Tamara have a movie where they are separated twins at birth from a magical realm that Ellie absolutely loves watching, which is. I haven't seen that. But I mean, they're twins. So obviously they have a movie where they're long lost, separated in a magical realm. (laughs) Witches. Never heard of it. Witches, like twin witches. Oh, twin. Oh, I saw. I remember that one now that you mention it. Of course, you remember her, the Joey and Ross vying over her on Friends, right? Who? Gabrielle that was Union? Aisha. Uh, no. No, 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 no. Aisha Taylor was the long term one. Gabrielle Union yeah. was in one episode. She was on one episode. The new neighbor, Joey, helps she her really? move in, and yeah. Ross already had asked her on a date. Wait, is this the one where they move the boxes upstairs and the cheap Joey's wedding taking the light boxes? The, one with the, cheap, the one with the cheap wedding dress? This is the one where Ross takes her out on a date and Joey shows up and they get into that thing. Like, weren't you in that ad for (laughs) venereal disease? Yeah. (laughs) And they're like, what part did we, what part did you think we lost her? I think somewhere around the STD. (laughs) 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 That's an iconic episode that we all remember. Um, Yeah. And then she's had a few shows since then. I'm a big Gabrielle Union fan. She's always awesome. Everything she does is fun. I'm going to say right now, I'm a big fan of everyone in this cast. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Great cast. Monique plays Aunt May, which is interesting. She plays somebody so much older than Gabrielle Union's character, Rachel, but they're about the same age. I wondered. I'm just going to say Monique's character as Aunt May is probably my favorite character on the show. She is amazing, but she is also the reason that I was glad when Julia took over and turned off the movie while uh, I was watching it with Ellie earlier. Oh my gosh, Ellie was watching it with you. I think they used every bit of their PG-13 expenditure on Monique alone. I think they did. (laughs) It's delightful. (laughs) Now, she had a recurring role back on Moesha that then had a spinoff. She went on to the the same character as Nikki Parker on the Hewleys. And then she got her, she was um, back as Nikki Parker in the show, The Parkers that ran for a few years. She was on that movie, Soul Plane. She was in Beer Fest. She was the, the name of the, the voice of Aunt Moo in the Rugrats TV series, one episode. And she has been several parts in the Donald Glover Presents TV miniseries shorts. 
Oh, Glover. Uh, apologies oh, in advance. Apologies in advance to our listeners and to both of y'all because I always transpose Danny and Donald Glover. We so all do. I, so I'm sure that's going to happen tonight when talking. So apologies in advance. We all do. It's fine. It's fine. We'll give you a little bit of grace. It's not like you know you're mispronouncing. You're you're calling a TV special a movie. Kimberly Elise plays another one of the sisters, Cheryl. She is also the same age as Monique, so um, it's just interesting. I wasn't as familiar with her at all as the rest of the cast. She's been in, you know, she's been in quite a few things like the TV show Girlfriends. She had a recurring role on Close to Home. She had a short stint on Grey's Anatomy for a season. John Q, the underrated Denzel Washington movie. John Q. She's in another Christmas TV movie called Caroline's Christmas. And yeah, I'm just not as familiar with her as I am. People like Romani Malco, who played Christian, the washed up, no, the uh, uh, hopeful, hopeful candidate for Congress, who for some reason is worried about local zoning laws when he's running for Congress. Not really sure how that happened, but he's also a recurring character on Weeds. Which he is where I was remember awesome on that show. So he funny was, on that show. He was one of the strongest characters on Weeds, which, yeah, he was just, I mean, he was hilarious. He played, uh, People will also uh, probably know him from The 40-Year-Old Virgin, the Steve Carell film. He was one he of was his co-workers. The Virgin. Yep. He was the principal in the movie The Duff with, what's her name from Parenthood? Yep. Um, her. Huh? Her. Her. She was also her on uh, Arrested Development, the girlfriend. They always kept oh, yes, her. Yes, yes. <laughs> she was. <laughs> I love how you <laughs> fell right into it, too. And you're like, huh? Her? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he has been in more than one made for TV or uh, less known Christmas movies as well, including a Netflix original called Holiday Rush. I have not seen Ooh. it. Me either. We should get on the so list. See him again. Or... Now our full. Our... Uh, wait, before you move on, did I bet he was a regular on the TV show? Lasted one season on ABC. No Ordinary Family. Do y'all remember that show? No. I um... love that show. I was so upset that got canceled. That was with um, who's the guy from uh, NYPD Blue? The main guy, Jimmy Smits. No. Oh. What's his name? The redheaded dude. The bald one. The one whose butt we all saw it was the first butt. Mike, Michael Chiklis. Michael Chiklis. The only thing that's I remember not, is I saw his butt in the Which shower. one is that? Which one is that? That's the shield. Not the shield. Blue. That's the shield. That's oh. the shield. But anyway, I starred him, uh, Julie Benz from Dexter. It was like it, him and his family get a bunch of superpowers. It was kind of like a Fantastic Four type thing. Do you all remember that? What? Dennis no. Franz is who I was thinking. It's good. The last this season. You should look it up. It's pretty good. It's on Hulu. Huh. Okay. No ordinary family. Is that you said? Yep. Interesting. Our washed up has been basketball player. It's played by <laughs> JB Smoove. I B. love JB Smoove. I do Leon from Curb Your Enthusiasm. Curb Your Enthusiasm for the whole time. He was uh, in Spider Man Far From Home, one of the voices there. He was in Hall Pass. We bought a zoo. We bought a zoo, date night. Uh, he's a he's Frank the Plant in Harley Quinn, the voice of uh, <laughs> yes, he Frank is. the Plant. Poison Ivy talking Are you serious? Yeah, in the adult animated R-rated stuff. Oh, oh no, they created it for the show. Like so, it's like this oh, okay. R-rated show. Right. He's like okay. Poison Ivy. Like, 
house plant Venus flytrap. <laughs> just imagine a giant like Seymour from uh Yeah, that's awesome. With, with JB Smooth's voice, it's hilarious. <laughs> JB Smooth watched- in a role I was not expecting. Well, let me rephrase that. JB Smooth in a role I thought I knew exactly who he was and then didn't. Oh, you didn't see that? I that I saw that coming from a mile. I did not see that coming. I did not see well, that. Well, let's coming. not give it away yet. He was also on. He was also a recurring role on Everybody Hates Chris, which um, we yeah, watched recently. That's a good show, and I recommend. Everybody Hates Chris is so good. Terry Crews was amazing. You know what would be amazing if Terry Crews were to become a lead actor in a Hallmark <laughs> Christmas movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> you give it long enough, you know he will. The Jesse T. Usher plays our younger, our youngest brother. Who uh, I know why you said that with excitement. Seven. Yeah, you do. The boys. Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. Haven't watched it yet, but. Wait, he's on. Be, that's him. That's, that's him. him I didn't even realize that. Yes. I would be willing to go back and rewatch the boys and do a new podcast just every tearing apart every episode of that show it is amazing and you're gonna love it it's that good it is that good all right okay i need a new show Um, uh, this is that this is really his you know that's really his first big break he's had a lot of you know those one-off parts on things like hannah montana back in his youth he was in survivor's remorse and level up he did a great job in this movie playing both the comedy and the drama he did he did he was he's a versatile actor and we have John Michael Higgins. Oh my gosh. Uh, I love I this even, guy and everything. I can't even think about him without laughing. I really can't. He's just that <laughs> funny. Have we covered him before? Have we covered him before? Yeah, he has definitely surely, been in right? stuff we covered. Yes. We did. Um I have not I have not seen him in the as the principal in the new Saved by the Bell reboot. Has anybody watched that? No. Oh. I think he's done that since we I an, talked last. I have a finite amount of time. I'm not going to spend it on the Save by the Bell reboot. You know, it's Julia and listeners, your time is much better spent watching Grease. Sorry, no, Julia. I would rather watch Grease right. right. so, than watch Julia's Grease. always so nice to me. Anthony lost speaking privileges over that. <laughs> I like Corbin Burnson about a million times more than I like Grease. Whoa. Oh. Yes. That's how much I hate Grease. That's a that's some that's some love there. Next up for our next family member, we have Nicole Ari Parker who plays Sonia, which is she's the politician's wife. Yes, she's she's, the Chris, she's Christian's wife. She's yeah. she's married into this wacky family. She's like, can I? Yes, please. As far as a sister in law is concerned, I have amazing sister in laws, and I'm so refreshed to have a sister in law or an in law, right? A married person that's liked by the family okay like that that makes me happy and that made me very happy that's usually a huge trope where the in-laws are the goofy ones everyone hates right and she's just so not all the kids just run to her and she's gorgeous too uh she was in my favorite sports movie of all time remember the titan remember the titan i love that movie yeah she was i think her first big big break was probably boogie nights right she played a recurring role as Nicole Parker in quite a few things as well. She was on the Cosby TV series. She was an Empire. She had a main role in that the last few seasons. She was also she's in Rosewood back in the day. Beautiful. And she's got an arc right now that's still going. Well, I'm a few episodes behind, but I think it's still going on Chicago PD. 
She is also almost Monique's age. I just find these, I just find the casting of Monique being so much older than the rest of these is very interesting. Yeah, it was curious. I mean, she doesn't look as old. She didn't look old enough even to to be Danny Glover's wife's sister. No, and they they tried to make her hair, I guess, look gray, which I didn't buy. Next up, we have Omar Epps, who's a an old love interest in the town and in in the town, and he had a he's We've covered him before. Known for yeah, because he was on the House episode. That's right, he was on yep. the House Christmas episode. I still loved him as the cop in Resurrection. You missed Jasmine. Carrie Hilson. Jasmine, by the way, this actress, she went to Oxford College in Georgia and she writes, she wrote songs for Britney Spears, the Pussycat Dolls, and Mary J. Blige. Really? Wow. Get it, girl. I like, by the way, they didn't make her an out and out villain. It was, we'll get to it when we get to it. Like, yes. she was well, oblivious, of- but yeah. Yeah, she was. She was a, she was. In my opinion, just as much of a victim as a wife. As his wife. She was just as misled. Yep. 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 Anyway, their their encounter in the store had me like she made a comment like, Oh, you were my dad's favorite actor. Anything where it's like there there's somebody's like, You were my dad's favorite, blah, blah, blah. It's like, uh oh, we're gonna get into a daddy relation daddy issue relationship here. Also, I, I think they should have picked a better team than the Seattle Supersonics. They were long gone by the time this movie was made. Yeah, that was curious. So, so have any of y'all seen this film before? No. I had not. I didn't really know much about it. No, me either. I remember seeing the trailers for it, but the trailer was bad. The trailer made it look like one of those generic holiday dramedies that come out every year, either in yeah. theaters that shouldn't be or on Netflix, but... I that's the other thing surprised. I hate too, where they I really cannot stand it when these trailers show stuff that's not in the movie. Like, yep. Agreed. By the time you're releasing the trailer, you should know what is and isn't in the film, and don't put stuff. They showed that's not stuff there. that wasn't in the movie. Yes, just like a few scenes, like with him before the kids came home. Oh, your family's coming home for Christmas. Blah blah blah. Yeah, <sighs> where people are talking, and he's getting excited about it. This was originally a Thanksgiving movie. Oh, uh, it was, I, I think. It was. I think we need to very quickly mention, even though we've covered them before, the director of the movie. Uh, yeah, I guess we should. The director and writer is David E. Halbert. And he's and done something we kind of liked. I don't know. Julia said okay. we already have covered him in another Christmas movie. He was the writer for Jingle Jangle. And the director. And he's also got a movie upcoming right now that he has uh, written but not directed called White Dave. Yeah, thank you for that, Julia. But like I said, this is the first time I saw it today, and I dig it. I really liked it. Like I said earlier, I liked that it was real dysfunction and not over-the-top comedic dysfunction. Dysfunction and it felt like Christmas. Relate to. Yes, it, it did feel like Christmas. It's a Christmas movie, but I, it could have also worked very well at Thanksgiving, like originally planned, if they said it at Thanksgiving. The Myers Thanksgiving was the original title, and then it was the Myers Christmas. The Myers Christmas, and then, and then almost, almost Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, I'm glad. I, I I think you're right. I think this could have been very easily a Thanksgiving movie, though. They could have kept it at that and been just fine. And I'm part of me almost wishes they had purely because I wish there was more Thanksgiving movies. Thanksgiving content. There Home because the there's holidays really not. Just doesn't do it for you. No, but that should be our Thanksgiving movie this year. We should cover that one finally. I mean, it's been four years and we haven't touched that one yet. Yep. This will be our fifth Thanksgiving that we've avoided that movie. No, no but like Thanksgiving is just as big a family holiday. Like I wish they every now and then they got another film and this could, I think, could have worked just as well at Myers Thanksgiving. 
never felt that way. Like in college, I was like, eh, that's a long drive for me to come home for a weekend. I'll see y'all at Christmas. Then I had Thanksgiving with my friends instead. Thanksgiving is as big of a thing as Christmas is to me too. Yeah, here too. I guess it's just easier because we've, Christine and I have decided that the day of is like when I grew up, these holidays were always stressful and there was a lot of prep and a lot of unnecessary stress placed on them. And we've just decided that, you know, take it as it goes. It's always easy. My family always stressed about the turkey being done properly. I've never had a problem cooking a turkey. You know, that sort of thing. You just relax and things happen and it's nice. So maybe that's why I don't feel as, still don't feel like it's as, as big of a deal. It's just an excuse to get with family, which I dig. Julia, what's your history with this movie? Um, I had not seen it before and I really liked it. Um, man, there's a ton of heart in this movie and it felt extremely Christmassy. And I really like the fact that it felt Christmassy with non-Christmas music in it and a lot of really, really good non-Christmas music too. Um, more like, you know, I would say family music, but that's not the right way. But like the music was definitely like lots of love songs and the way that that was wrapped around Danny Glover's story and how that ties into Christmas still felt Christmassy. The Christmas music they did have, though, was well-chosen and packed a punch. Yes, it was. Um, Uh, But speaking of music, that opening montage was great. I loved that opening montage. I didn't need everything explained to me. I... When when we had it on, Ellie's like, "Is this a mu- is this movie an all music movie?" And I was like, "No, baby, they'll have talking." So I think it was probably lost on a five year old, but uh, it worked for me. I mean, no, it was I a it was it. beautiful seeing Danny Glover's character and um, his wife's character. You know, getting engaged, yeah. growing up, getting married, and having kids. I loved when <laughs> most of their kids were already out of the house, and she <laughs> surprised him with being pregnant again. <laughs> he fainted on the couch. Yeah, oh and by giving the little the little red Converse shoe. Yeah, yeah, for Christmas. Yep, in the Christmas sweater. Yeah, and then it and then it ended heartbreak. It just ended with Danny Glover sitting on the bed after his wife's funeral alone. Yep, yep. yep. Yeah, so. that was so good. The opening was, it was so good. good. It really set the stage so well. And Danny Glover acts the poo out of this. I mean, the whole movie. But that, I mean, Danny Glover is amazing. Yeah, and Danny Glover had his most iconic Christmas line in this movie as well. Yes, he, he did. sure <laughs> did. <laughs> I loved that when they were so when he said up. that. It was a, such an easy thing for them to do, but it had so <laughs> it brought so much uh, comedy to the to the movie, which I also like. The movie hit on some real issues. You know, it dealt with grief. It dealt with loss, not just for Danny Glover, but the entire family. They lost their mom. This is their first year without her. All of and that. I love that's what dri- what's driving a lot of their like uh, their personal stories too. A lot of that they're all uh, still affected by this loss, and it's kind of driving their relationships <laughs> and their uh, feuds with one another. Still, the mother is in this film is one of the strongest non-present characters from a movie I can think of uh, in quite a while. Mm-hmm. She's yep. she's. She's bigger than life. She's definitely one of the main characters in this story, but we don't ever actually see her engage, right? Because she's she is deceased. Anyway, so the so we open up and we've got this this reflective montage that that if you don't feel something, you're kind of a monster. <laughs> <laughs> and Danny Glover sitting around, he's trying to he calls his daughter because he's trying to bake this 
this pie that we saw in the montage that obviously his wife made sweet potato so pie yep. which looked delicious not his hit well yeah, when she made it it look good and then by the end and there's this ongoing thing where they're trying to find where she put all of her recipes because they, they want to have a a christmas with mom still involved and nobody can find her recipes and dad's trying to cook and it's just not not going well for anybody and, and i think we should also these kids to come home yeah none of them really want to be home they're all hesitant to come home yeah. they don't want to be around one another they want to spend christmas with their dad none of them have ill feelings toward dad but a lot their relationships amongst one another are strained yeah christian actually goes so far as he just doesn't want to be there period i mean it doesn't even seem like he cares about seeing his dad he's so focused on his campaign and when he gets there he talks about staying in a hotel and his wife's immediately like no absolutely not which again which awesome we love the daughter-in-law we love yeah. the daughter-in-law here because yes, she's concerned do. about she's worried about she wants family and she's also before they even leave she's like you cannot be on your phone i understand you have a campaign but family's important you have to focus and be present with us but yeah like that in normally in a movie like this it would be the in-law wanting to stay at the hotel that's right yep. yeah which is cliche it's very cliche it it's a trope it is i'm pretty tired of it Although that is my that is, sick of it. My wife Christine does not like staying places. Well, she doesn't mind my mom's, but that's about the extent of it. I don't like staying anywhere. I, only because I like my own space. It's not like because I don't want to. It's just like I like my own schedule and space. Yeah. If that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. Nah, you got to be with family. <laughs> You're just talking crazy again, Anthony. So they get there, and he decides. Christian decides to bring his campaign books. Who is played by John Michael Higgins, his campaign manager with him, who is awkwardly trying to be involved in the family. <laughs> <laughs> when he finds out that when he finds out Christian and his wife are gonna stay at the house at the house and the kids are gonna bunk, he assumes that means he's going to, and that was kind of funny to me. Where, where his wife's like, No, you're going to a hotel. It was pretty funny. But they also he's like, he's like, can't can't wait. Free spa, free breakfast. You guys should join me. For, for the breakfast, of course. <laughs> Four of us at the spa would be a little weird. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> but he doesn't even say it would actually be weird. It's more of a question like, are we doing this? <laughs> Again, John Michael Higgins is just going to be funny in anything that he does. Uh, so um, that's the story with Christian. He's running for, for Congress. And it's obviously a tight race. They need every minute they can, ha they can, they can muster for this campaign. So family and Christmas is kind of a, a distraction for him, as we can see throughout the whole movie, because he's neglecting his family, right? He's, he's making choices that um, take him away from what he should be doing. If, and not every time, it's not every time, it's not physically taking them away, but you can tell he's not, he's not there. Yeah. Right. So that's him. Then we have Gabriel Union's character, Rachel, who is coming back. She didn't know if she was going to be able to make it. She could fly or not. She's got a daughter who's absolutely awesome through this whole thing. <laughs> yeah, she is. I love the daughter. But she's, she's decided to go back to school to become an attorney. And because so she just got divorced. She just got yeah. divorced and she's already been a veterinarian and something else. And now she's going to be an attorney. And so she's got money problems and she's just obviously not not where she not where she needs to be in life she's she's floundering and trying to figure out her purpose and like i said her daughter's hilarious and brings a lot of <laughs> kids sass but in a really good way to the film yep yeah uh, she's so a great kid character none of these kids kid by the way are obnoxious so so glad they left that trope out as well like i'm glad I they like cast all children who can act 
Oh, yeah, gosh. they can. This, this again? We, I'm this complimenting movie? these children. They could they act. Can act. Yeah. At the expense of other children, Anthony. They made me laugh hysterically when they were kicked out of the Christmas dinner during the big blowout, which is <laughs> totally something every kid can relate to, right? And then they left their <laughs> iPad there and live streamed it down to themselves yep. in the basement. <laughs> Um, is... With with Rachel also comes Malachi, who's the next door neighbor, her old boyfriend, him. or her old yes. prom date. They never actually her, they didn't actually date. He just had a thing for her. Yep, and she is very very off put by men at this point in her life. We learn it's not just Malachi. Uh, she like she Malachi... wants to prove she can be self sufficient without a man. Now that she's going through a divorce, but she takes it to that the nth extreme. When Malachi gets there just to help her do her bag, she's very insistent that he can't help her. And her daughter's like, Mom, why did you do that? You have to be independent. I love that. She's like, what, you think I can't handle my bags because I'm a woman? No, I'm asking you because that's what a gentleman does. (laughs) Her daughter's in the back, like, mouthing exactly the words. Exactly what she said. Yeah, she exactly what thing her, what what over-the-top thing her mom is going to say. And it's hilarious. I love their relationship. They felt like they felt legit. Yeah, yep. they totally did. They have probably my favorite relationship in all of this. Yeah. Then we have the kid who has it all put together, Cheryl. She's got everything put together, or so we think, which is a pretty common holiday reunion family trope. Yeah, she's a dentist, right? She's a she dentist. Is. And she's married to a former washed up NBA player named Lonnie who is constantly reliving his glory days and handing out old trading cards for himself to everyone he meets, saying they'll be worth money someday. Yeah. Well, it's not just that he was washed up. After his career with the Seattle Supersonics, he went to play in Romania and talks about this as if it's a positive for his career, like, which was a thing with... Didn't Winston and New Girl, he went to play in Romania yes. as well? Yep, he did. Croatia, something. Or he was in Croatia, you're right. He was in, like, Croatia. Um, but, yeah. So he's washed up and doesn't accept it. I don't really connect with them at all. I just like the fact that Lonnie can't do anything right, and every time he goes to do something that we know is going to be stupid, like when he's trying to fix the Santa on the roof, all the kids <laughs> in the family pull out the camera so they can watch, so they can film it. Mm-hmm. He made me laugh a lot, though. And then oh, he's yeah. just such a terrible, terrible character, though. And then you have Evan, who also made me laugh a lot before he got really serious. The youngest. Oh, he was. Who, yeah. yeah, he's a he's a football player, and he had an injury to his shoulder and has gotten hooked on pain pills. He's funny. Like when he comes home and Dad's giving the speech to the kids about how they can survive five days under the roof. I love how they, he's behind him, mi- miming everything he's saying, and every time Dad turns around, he stops and pretends to just nod along. That felt real. To well, me. It's, like, it's also, <laughs> you know, they had been there. They'd been home for just a few, you know, for just a short time, and they are at each other's throats. And he's the only one who seems to be in the neutral zone at this point. Yeah, he does. That's a good way to say it. After all the kids are fighting and dad's exas- ex- exasperated and just at his wit's end, he's the one that goes in and gives his dad a hug. And I thought yeah. that had a lot of heart. Yes. And then we have the family. Yep. Aunt May, dead wife's sister, who shows up and who shows up selflessly to help. She thinks she he'll need she she thinks Donald, Danny Glover will need the help. His first holiday. She thinks the, the whole life. family will need her. Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But she comes in and cooks an amazing meal that everybody is so excited about. 
Because she was what a backup singer, right? In her she was. in her professional heyday, she got to tour with like all of these amazing people. So the spread she puts out all has some reference to some famous person she spent time with by virtue of being, you know, what she is. And yes. that food looked nasty. And it was, it she's was a terrible cook. Really freak. Well, it was not only that she was a terrible cook, it's that she picked really weird stuff. Well, and I love super offended that nobody wanted any. I love when Lonnie walks into the kitchen. Is it that she was a terrible cook, or is it just that the the food was not? No, it was a terrible cook. Okay. And then I love when Lonnie walks into the kitchen and it's like, "Who? Did I walk into the bathroom accidentally? Because it smells all over." And he's just like, "Just kidding, Auntie May." (laughs) I love like he's the one obnoxious in law in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah's aunt can't cook either, so like when she hosts. Boxing Day up in Canada, like everyone knows to eat before you go to her house because her oh. spread is awful. Oh, but I like how the the family decides to throw one of the kids under the bus to try something <laughs> terrible and force it at his and force it at his mouth. <laughs> I just wondered what that kid did wrong before he got there. You know, that's not something you do to your favorite. Just and <laughs> and what we do, what we as an audience don't know at the beginning, and what none of the kids know, we don't, don't find this out till near the end. Danny Glover brought the family home because he's selling the house, so he wanted one yep. last big family Christmas in the house with everyone before he. Well, we know that at the beginning, we're we, waiting for the well, shoe to drop the whole. Movie. We don't know if it's a secret though. When he's looking at the, he's looking at the papers at the oh, so, papers. I see. I yeah. missed that, so I did not know at the beginning. But okay, yeah, the we fa- see the papers the at the beginning, and no. so we're just waiting for that shoe to drop at some point, which has happened in other. Well, I say other Christmas movies that happened in Father of the Bride, and maybe that's the only one. Such a good movie. When he sells a house and he doesn't tell anybody, and it comes out over dinner. I love that movie. Would you, okay, somebody else want to take over for a bit? I feel like I'm doing a lot of talking. You're doing a great job. You're doing great. Tom, no, no, please continue to talk. Everyone loves to hear your voice, Tomas, okay, including so, myself. So getting weird. Monique <laughs> is there. She cooks. We see this. The sisters automatically, I mean, just straight out of the gate, start fighting, right? Yes. It's just it's just like a World War Three. It's the exact problem that they knew they were that that most of the family anticipated was going to happen that Danny Glover was hoping wouldn't. Yes. Then once the sisters start fighting, the brothers get involved and Christian makes it known that he didn't even want to stay in the house. He wanted to go away and be in a hotel and just kind of takes a, which comes off as a, as a low blow. And they tell him, why are you even here? They end up fighting. Danny Glover starts to cool things down a bit. And then Aunt May gets involved and cusses at these kids and yells at them. <laughs> And I mean, I was scared and felt like I should be apologizing just watching. Yeah, I would not cross her. No. (laughs) I would not. (laughs) That's a very typical thing you'll find in African-American families. Like the aunts with the big personalities who are as close with the children as their mothers. Like all my friends growing up had that big, lively, personable aunt who you both loved and feared at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some differences in like a predominantly white family dysfunctional movie, especially around Christmas versus this one. I feel like white people are a lot more likely to bottle that up, right? To have a blowout over the table, but you spend most of the movie with them and their bottled emotions, right? And one gigantic explosion at the end. And that doesn't feel authentic to an African-American no. family. This does. And it was just refreshing <laughs> yeah. to kind of see 
it like that. Well, and while we're on the subject, I want to say shame on us, right, for waiting four years to cover a predominantly African-American person of color Christmas movie. Minus Jingle Jangle last end of last year, but still should not have taken us this long. So we start getting into, we start seeing some of the underlying dysfunction. Like I said, we've got Evan has come home. He's got a drug addiction. He's out of pills trying to figure out how to get them back. We see Lonnie. Oh, we we almost forgot the, the thing I alluded to earlier. Lonnie goes to fix the Santa on the roof. And the kids just know this is a terrible idea. Something's going to go wrong. They're filming it. And of course it does. He ends up decapitating Santa. Shooting <laughs> uh, I, love the, the I love before he decapitates him though, when he got it working. Like he's like this goofy uncle who tries too hard. So he starts mimicking Santa's motions and waving <laughs> down at the kids. And dancing at him. Yeah. And then he falls off the roof. But he ends up going, shortly after this, he ends up going to the grocery store. And at the grocery store, he meets a young fan who remembered watching Lonnie play for the Seattle Supersonics in his heyday long, long, long time ago. And she has to take a selfie. There's obviously some flirting going on back and forth. Whereas Lonnie should say, hey, sorry, I'm married. He leans into it like a lot. Mm -hmm. lot. Now I'm going to defend Lonnie here. I'm joking. I just Stop wanted to see, I just no, wanted to see Tom's face. I just wanted to see your face. There is no excuse for what he did. No. And he ends up having an affair. Yep. Do they? Okay. Well, I mean, he has the emotional affair there. He does the cheating. He invite. He says he's going to invite her to Chicago. So it's totally wrong. The affair. But did they actually get physical? Did they? I didn't think they did. The uh, picture she's talking about implies that, yes, in fact, they did. That's the okay. implication I got as well, that, yeah. that there was some. Because I was surprised, honestly. I thought I thought it would be a little more benign and stay in the we were just flirting thing. Because in my brain, I had mapped out a, an ending and it was not the ending of the movie. No. at all with respect to this infidelity so and i'll when say that, that started to i appreciated happen, I was, that as well yeah, exactly this movie took left turns toward the end like i thought oh i know where this is ending up and it took a few different turns i was like i'm happy i couldn't guess that ending especially in regards to the infidelity so i'm with you there yeah oh yeah they're just yep. gonna make they're just gonna talk and realize they have problems and make up and everything's gonna be holly right. jolly family christmas right nope i mean is that a white family difference also because we've seen that ending in movies like this where i think the wife I think I it's mean, more than that. What we're seeing chance. is the character. The character has had her whole life together, and everything is is perfect. And she's the she's the good sis, the the good daughter. I do think it's a white family trope too, though. Because love actually ha- happiest season. She does the same thing. It comes out in front of everyone, and she decides, you know, at the end, we're going to work it out. Yeah. I think it comes back to what you said, Julia. Like it's the whole bottling in. Like, oh, I'm not going to deal with this in front of everyone. Versus mm-hmm. the. You know, we're just going to be open and free with our feelings. And it's refreshing, yeah. like you said. Yeah. All right, Anthony, you're going to cover the infidelity. What happens when we... Well, we need to mention Gabrielle Union's part of this infidelity well, subplot. Yes. So she shows up at the supermarket and Jasmine is checking her... Yeah. No, that's the act. That's the character. And she's checking Gab. Um, she's che- she's checking out Gab- Rachel. She's checking out Rachel. And as she's doing this, her phone keeps going off. Off, 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 off. And Rachel's like, she clearly somebody's it. into you. Oh. And she's yep. like, oh, oh, you know, this uh, old basketball player, Lonnie McClay. And you see Rachel's face. Oh, and then the pictures verify. Oh, okay. That verified it for her. And Something then happened here. Yep. And then the most awful thing, which I am so glad she reneged this later on. She tells her, why don't you come for 
So Lania told her she can't spend Christmas with him because he's taking care of his sick grandmother and uses Certainly. his wife's name. Cheryl. Yeah. Cheryl. Cheryl yep. And, um, but the we can be up in Chicago battery. after the holidays. So when Rachel hears this, she's like, you know what? Why don't you come spend Christmas with us? Because this is mo- it's the most awful move because she's not just getting back at Lonnie. She, it's going to her sister and get along. Yeah. And yeah. when this happened, I was like, oh my God. Like I lost all sympathy there for her. And I was so glad like 15 minutes later, she realized that she did something wrong, makes a call saying, hey, you know yeah. what? You can't come for Christmas. But of course. Also, it's just a weird the thing to invite mail. your invite your local grocer. Well, they, they were friends. Or they knew each other from, from high school. Yeah. Yeah. Which I got the five. This is a whole small town where everyone knew everyone. So Christmas morning, of course, Jasmine never got the voicemail. She's a texter, which that joke made me laugh because so many people nowadays won't pick up the phone. <laughs> Somebody calls them like, yeah. you want to get in touch with someone, text. I'm 100% guilty of that. Jasmine, of course, sits down for dinner and Lonnie is like trying to hide behind everyone. Like, yeah, he, uh, he's like hiding behind his wife. He's, uh, you know, sinking low in the seat. He's, yeah, buffoonish. He follows Rachel into the kitchen with that before Jasmine can see him and accuses her, like, why did you do this? And they get into a little spat. And then Cheryl mm-hmm. comes back in and says, when you get back to the table, and then at the table, it comes out, Jasmine and L- recognizes Lonnie, and you know, <laughs> uh, between Walter and Aunt May and all the siblings, you know, crap's about to hit the fan. <laughs> yeah. Right. Especially when Cheryl gets up to go get granny <laughs> get granny from the other room and they keep saying no you don't want to get granny let her sleep let granny sleep <laughs> <laughs> and then she comes in with a shotgun shotgun oh and man it does a traditional movie loud cock like yeah <laughs> like they all start freaking out and that's yeah. when uh daddy glover's like i'm getting too old for this yep <laughs> <laughs> but it's just awful i feel so bad for jasmine because she literally did nothing wrong to be in this really terribly tense christmas situation mm-hmm. yeah just thinking yeah, she's getting invited to spend christmas with a family and not be alone and bam well, that's what made it were even worse for me not yep. only was she being let on the sky but she was alone for christmas and was so happy to be invited to spend it with yeah. the family so it ends up out they end up outside where <laughs> You think Lonnie thinks he got shot by her, but she blew a giant hole through the Congress Brothers lawn sign. And how does it resolve? Yeah, Monique says something like, She's the best shot in the family. If she she wanted to hit you, you. she wanted to hit you. She would have hit you. And then um, Jasmine leaves, right? Yeah. And then the two of them, they end up splitting up. Or she says she's going to get divorced from him because she tells her sister, You have to go back to law school if you're going to represent me. You're going to, yep. Right. Right. Which loved the complete opposite ending to Love Actually, where you see Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman still together at the end. Yeah. I love that, you know, Cheryl. You've got a lot stronger strong. female character here. Right. She's 100%. just not going to put up with it. 100%. And kudos to her for that. Wait, do you think that Emma Thompson and Alan Rickman were still married at the end of Love Actually? Yes. And the director confirmed that they the were. engine was. They were to really? stay together. Yep. Oh, I missed that. I just always assumed they got divorced and that was them she having to do the whole splitsies. She oh. goes along with them. The two heat, the director said, the, you know, what they were implying was they're trying to work out their marriage together. Oh, man. I know it's heartbreaking. 
That's heartbreaking. Yeah, makes you hate that story even more, doesn't it? Though that's subplot even more. Yes. When Alan Rickman to ever be the bad guy. I know, right? It's so conflicted. <laughs> he re- he's redeemed <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> Nine Die Hard. <laughs> yeah, you know what I, you know what I'm hinting at. You know what I'm He was more likable in Die Hard than he was in Love Actually. Yeah, he was. I mean, who 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 doesn't love a British guy? doing a bad German accent, putting on the yeah. fake American accent to fool John McClane. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's inception of accents. It was. So that's so. the infidelity plotline here. So Julia, why don't you tell us about Rachel and her Malachi, her little love interest next door. So we have a few little meet cutes throughout the entire movie with Rachel and Malachi. Um, we learn if, if through these interactions, we learn kind of their history with the prom that never was and the disappointments that followed after. And we get that hint that if that had worked out, they would have worked out, but it didn't. And so there's some really sweet interactions. There's one point where Rachel gets stuck in a window and he has to come help her get out. She, she's in and, her nightie, which makes it more. Yeah. He can see her Chinese tattoo on the back of her leg. Which he keeps messing with her. He said he took Mandarin and it says, uh, he tells her that it says Siamese chicken. Which I love this because that's a big joke, right? All these like really young, like yeah. college students getting their first tattoo and it's a Chinese letter or saying. And like, that's an yes. old joke, right? Like, how do you know it says what you think it says? So right. I love that he was messing with her about it. (laughs) He lives next door. He has kind of a Howard's mom, mom who you hear her voice a lot and he's hollering at her. Um, And he has a really good relationship with Walter, with Danny Glover's character as well. So it's like, yeah, it's like, he's that member of the family and he has all of the history with the mom as well um, as a neighbor. So like, he's the guy, right? Like you see the movie and you're like, Omar's the guy. It's like a nice inverse because normally the trope is the girl next door where it would be a single guy home and the friendly girl next door who would have stepped in, been really close with dad, helping him get through this hard time. And it was the inverse where it's boy next door who does that. And I really like that. That's right. Yep. Yep. So where we end up with this one is he shows up a very John Cusacky style with a boom box um, and a limousine. Um, it's a beautiful scene because the lights, the trees are all lit up with Christmas lights. And this house itself is just beautiful for Christmas inside and out. The house um, in general house is, is gorgeous. Yes. I loved it. Um, and he's got this boom box with this mixtape he made himself. And she comes out and she's so surprised. And he asks, basically asks her out, right? Let's, let's repeat. Let's, let's do the thing. Right, well, we he, never got to do. He made and the mixtape he made her for prom that he never got to play her. The same one. He found That's it. Right. Yeah. He found it. And so she runs inside and he has this moment where he's like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> and she comes back out in a prom dress, uh, her sister's, because she burned her. She says she burned her prom dress that night. Um, so we get a little more insight into how devastated she was. And you just know they end up together. You do. Precious. and All the feels happen. All the feels happen. Christmas and her love. daughter. I like the fact that her daughter was such a strong advocate for her. Like that awkward conversation where she's like, you know, my I remember my soccer coach or something told you were beautiful, you're pretty, and you had beautiful hair, and you yelled at him. Would I be beautiful if I was bald? <laughs> she's just got that that retort she gave is apparently as, as again. We talked about the daughter, you know, well, mocking her, but it's very, it's a very, uh, it's it's a thing she goes to as a defense mechanism. 
And mm-hmm. I love that scene between mother and daughter when daughter's giving her all this advice and she says, like, Brandon, my boyfriend. And she's like, I'm sorry, you have a boyfriend? And she's like, Mom, stay focused. And keeps going on with advice for her. But the advice she gives is really good. Like, I think the quote was, life is a lot easier when you let someone else carry a load, even if you can carry it yourself. And I really like that quote. A lot of wisdom there. Absolutely. Yep. Pretty insightful teenager. That's right. Yes. We have kind of a mishmash of subplots with Danny Glover's character himself and the politician's son, Christian, because Christian is gung-ho about running for office. And this thing comes up where he can garner extra support from a group of people, investors that would ultimately get rid of the shelter that his mom was so heavily involved with Mm -hmm. and that his dad is still heavily involved with. I love the sign in that shelter, by the way. What's to say? Yeah, our prime purpose in this life is to help others. And if you can't help them, at least don't hurt them. Yeah, I loved that. And I think it's important to note that that the reason this is such a big deal is he just lost his major donor, right? His major donor defected, defected on him. And so he just learned he's losing a lot of his funding. And now he's got to think about, oh, I got to make that up. And this suddenly seems at least somewhat appealing. His campaign manager is telling him to consider it. And he's conflicted with whether what's the right thing, right? Definitely winning or his chances of winning or his integrity in general. And that comes into play because we see we see this shelter interact with the family, but specifically mm-hmm. Walter throughout the movie because his wife was invested, right? It was another one of her children, you could almost say. And so Walter seems genuinely happy when he is at this shelter. Like it's a few times in the movie when he's smiling real big um, and it's not in response to something Monique is saying. Um, So (laughs) he's really invested. It's a way that she's still alive, not just because the people that work at the shelter with him knew her also, but just because she's there, she's all over that location. So it's a way to keep his wife alive as well. So that's a conflict between the two of them because our resolution and it's Christian's main struggle is he decides to say no to those particular donors that would have made him would have made it much more easy to win the election and instead shows up at the shelter Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, can't remember which one to help serve alongside his dad. That one I kind of saw where it was going because you always knew where that that was going to go. And a lot of these plot lines where, oh, the overworked politician it always ends that same scene where they shock their campaign manager who's trying to help them in the election and like you know what i quit type thing like it's always there i wish that it hadn't i mean just once i would like for the 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 bad guy to stay bad evan's plot is the whole um hooked on painkillers he he reaches out to a buddy to get some more when his prescription officially runs out and um that leads us into a smaller but no less funny to me anyway, sub, sub, subplot where his friend has the hots for Monique <laughs> for Aunt May. And that Aunt, really yep. made me laugh. I thought the that was Stifler's funny. mom situation. <laughs> right. So Evan is upset because after dinner, it comes out or during dinner, it comes out that Walter is looking to put the house on the market um, because it's his house. And I mean, there's just tons of memories and it's hard to escape that stuff. And it's just still, still so fresh. That's the one and thing so I wish they upset. did differently. I wish he sold the house. 
I wish he still oh, you went through with that. You guys, um, not me. You know what I wish would have happened? I wish one of the kids had bought it. Or or that. Yeah, I would have been fine with that too. That I, I, I wish because, he kind of because a lot of people that age after they do lose a spouse, a lot of them do downsize. A lot it's a lot for house. one person. Yeah. Mm. That's a, a huge house, house. For, for, an, for an elderly man to take care of. And it would have been better if he got rid of it, but it would have been better if it would have stayed in the family as a family home. Yep. That, like I look at that. Agreed. It just reminded me so much of the Braverman home. You know, They're, they felt like it felt like home. Mm-hmm. Evan storms off. He's upset. He's driving too fast. He's also under the influence of painkillers and he gets in an accident. And so after the big blow up at the house, they get a call saying Evan's heart come to the hospital. The hospital is where we get the resolution between Rachel and Cheryl, where Cheryl lends her money and they make up. And so our loose end for Evan is an extremely touching scene between him this and his scene dad. made me cry when he talks yeah. about how his mother was there for everything. Yeah. And Danny Glover and comes back. She still there. is. Yeah. Yeah. And he and says that I couldn't be there for her when she needed yeah. me. Yeah. That's a phenomenal scene. Well, very well acted. Very well acted. And then that just leaves us with Danny Glover's long storyline and the way his resolves in the end. Throughout the movie, he's trying to recreate the sweet potato pie that is from the very first scene of the movie. Um, And you you link it and you're meant to to link it. Right. You're meant to link it in your head that this love story between them had, you know, a footing in in the sweet potato potato pie. pie. Right. And so he fails miserably most of the time to make it. And it's finally at the end when he takes whose advice? Who one is of it his that gra- tells one her? of his granddaughters. And That's I right. loved that scene. Yeah. Where smile you while you're cooking it. Yeah. That's right. And so he tries it and it works out because we get a really good scene between him and Monique where Monique is expressing, you know, her feelings of loss as well over losing her sister. And Walter opens up and she tries the pie and it's, she gets overwhelmed and it's spot on yep. <laughs> reminds her exactly of her sister. So I love that scene between them, not only with the pie resolution, but, mm-hmm. um, when she's talking about how she saw the world and everything and when, you know, he's, he's doubting he didn't give his wife a lot enough. And she says, mm-hmm. when you two were together, like you gave her everything. It was obvious to mm-hmm. me that you were her world. You gave her everything. I love that whole scene. Yeah. It was a great scene. It was. And you realize that Monique did not actually come to help because she thought they needed help. She needed them. Mm-hmm. Yep. She needed them just as much. Yeah. I loved that. It was sweet. So Danny Glover does not sell the house. He rips up the deed the next morning while he's looking at Evan because it meant the most to him. And I mean, we get a good ham. We get a good, happy family ending. We do. The family's resolved the way it should be, not a movie way. Like there's no way to not be happy with how this turned out. Right. Yeah. And that's why I loved it. Like they got a happy ending, but it's like any, it's like any family with real problems who like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's the happy ending. You still have a happy Christmas, but you know the next day, okay, we're going to work on resolving our problems and go back to life. And I loved it. I, th- I think none yes. of them are alone. There yes, are none of them are alone. Those problems. Exactly. Yeah, right. And it was just a very relatable dysfunctional family compared to as much as we've covered a million dysfunctional families I've actually really liked. This one was just very relatable compared to a lot. It was. Yeah. Quotes and scenes. I love the scene in the kitchen where all the girls are dancing, where they're all dancing. They have on their music and Aunt May comes in and puts on her music to show them what real music is. And they all start dancing and Danny Glover comes in and it's just this fun family bonding scene. Mm -hmm. I really like that scene. That is my favorite scene in the whole movie. 
I could sorry not for, smile. Sorry for stealing it. It. <laughs> it was wonderful. No, no, it was it was wonderful. That scene was wonderful. And I like that they didn't put any of the animosity through it. Like it was a happy scene. Yeah. Um, because at that point, Cheryl and Rachel are like, they're in the thick of it. They're fighting anytime they're in the same room. In fact, they were just fighting in the scene. Um, but when, when the dancing starts, it's just, it's just family Pure joy. and fun. It was. They, do, they put, they put everything aside and come together as a family. And that's yeah. what happens when you're with a family. There doesn't have to be a big apology, crying, coming together, you just sort of meld back into what it was before something bad happens at times, right? Yeah. Like, it's like one of those, and even when maybe you are in the middle of an argument, when you're with family, especially around a holiday, it could be an argument one minute and then laughing the next minute with them over something because somebody does something stupid or makes you laugh. And yeah, that's, yeah. that was so real to me. Yep. And it was very real to me. I mentioned it earlier, um, the whole idea of when family drama really starts forgetting out of the table. We send the kids away and the kids want to stay and watch and they're like, go downstairs. <laughs> like what kid hasn't experienced that? Right. Mm-hmm. And I love uh, John, um, Michael Higgins. Um, it's a John Michael Higgins, whatever his name is, the campaign yep. manager mm-hmm. sitting there awkwardly. But at the same time, he's loving the gossip. Like that's me at family <laughs> functions, like sitting in the middle of the drama, sipping my tea, watching the whole thing. <laughs> we would expect no less from you, Anthony. No Thank less. you. I take that as a compliment. Uh, so, yeah, final thoughts. I dig it. I will watch this again. I enjoyed it. It was fun. It had heart. I think, though, I may go with the watching it, you know, as a lead up to Thanksgiving more so than using the prime Christmas screen time because it works on both levels. And a lot of the Christmas movies are much more contingent on that Christmas season. I think it's the perfect Thanksgiving movie. Like how we said before, like Miracle on 34th Street has kind of a Thanksgiving-y feel because you have, it starts at Thanksgiving. Like it's a good movie to watch to kick off that lead up to Christmas. I can see myself watching this like Thanksgiving night, like end of Thanksgiving, beginning of Christmas. I loved it. It's definitely adding, going into my canon. Yeah, it's going into my canon as well. That's good. Um, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I'm coming in did, at an eight. Did it have a Linus? Yeah, it's coming in at an of eight. Point. Of course, it had a Linus moment. Which one? More, yeah, more than one. More than one. <laughs> you know what? No, it's coming in at an eight and a quarter. I gotta give it more. It was just that good. Eight point two two because I had a typo and I don't want to undo my undo what I typed. I'm giving it an eight. I'm going to join y'all and give it an eight point five, which gives us an average of eight point two. Four. And that rounds it up to an 8.25, which ties it at number 16 on our list between with Love Actually and Santa Claus the movie. Two infidelity movies, 16. Oh, I find it list. really interesting that it tied with Love Actually because you made numerous Love Actually references throughout this. So that's kind of cool. You know, we want to know what you had to think. Have you seen this movie before? What are your thoughts? And the best way possible to tell us that is to join us on our socials. Now we've got socials across the the gamut we are you can find us at tisthepodcast.com slash reddit for an awesome reddit group facebook for our facebook page facebook group for our facebook group instagram or twitter and you can now find us on tisthepodcast.com slash parlor oh bull crap <laughs> i would we would the show if one of this you all podcast, for that. this podcast would be banned from parlor in our first 24 hours <laughs> <laughs> We'd get a lot more uh, 
one star iTunes reviews too. Ooh, yeah, we would. We definitely lower our average there. Julia, tell us about the other way that I did not mention that we can get engaged with Tis the Podcast and get some cool Tis the Podcast gear. So we have um we have a presence on Patreon if you're familiar with Patreon. So Patreon is a site where you can find bonus Tis the Podcast content. Um stuff that maybe doesn't have a Christmas theme, maybe it does. Um extra stuff that we will only do on Patreon like live watches with some of our favorite Christmas movies, which I know we've got some scheduled for this year as well. Episodes with other podcast hosts, with other friends, content that's just Anthony, that's just Anthony and Tom. Like it's the full gambit. It's just everything else. So we can give you this content for a small monthly subscription price. It starts off at a buck and goes up to however much you want to give us. And those different levels have different perks. So we have cool swag like pins. Um, We have stickers. We have fun stuff at our highest level of giving, which is it 25 a month? $25. You get to pick an episode to come host a movie of your choice with us as well. So if you're interested in that extra way to support us and get some cool stuff in return, you can check out tisthepodcast.com backslash Patreon. So by the time you're listening to this, a Space Jam episode may be live with Matt Yurick of TGI Podcast, or it may not. I don't know. But it'll be live soon, if not. And I will have recorded an episode on the Conjuring franchise with Ron Hogan and his friend Lindsay in time for the new Conjuring movie coming out in like a month. And I will have also recorded the first horror movie for October with Jerry and of Totally Rare Christmas and Todd of Christmas Clatter and the always hilarious and very punny Michael Christelman. <laughs> He is very punny. And what are you covering, Anthony? Well, last year we covered Halloween, the original. So this year we're covering Halloween, the Rob Zombie remake. Which, by the way, okay, did you see the property Rob Zombie is remaking? That has me very nervous. No. He he starts shooting next month in Hungary, is remaking The Monsters as a feature film. Rob hmm. Zombie is doing the monsters. It'll be a white trash family uh, cursing every other word out of their mouth and actually eating people, probably. But Ooh, yeah, that could go bad. Go very bad. It's a Beautiful shame though, because monsters. yeah, it's a shame because we were talking when we covered the monsters. Like that's one franchise I wish got the love the Adams family did and was like made relevant again. So, Sherry mm-hmm. Moon Zombie is gonna star in it. Yeah, it's Lily Munster. Oh my gosh. <laughs> she has oh, to start everything he does. That just went from bad to worse. <laughs> yeah, for real. It starts shooting in Hungary next month. So I assume it's going to probably open with them in Transylvania being run out of the country or something. But yeah, so next week we are traveling to the wonderful world of Disney and covering Beauty and the Beast, the Enchanted Christmas, the midquel to. Uh, Beauty and the Beast. Haven't seen that one in years, so I'm very excited to see what we all think of this one. And the week after that, already, much to Julia's ire, we are going back to the wonderful world of Franken-Bass and covering The First Christmas, The Story of the First Christmas Snow, starring Angela Lansbury. So that should be good. It's Angela Lansbury. And then 
I'm really excited. Just the, the week after that, at Ron Hogan's suggestion, we are doing a Christmas movie Christmas, and I'm really excited to cover that one. Tom, you'll be excited, though. The week after, Vicar of Dibley is coming up fast. So. I know. I'm yeah, so excited. Yeah, real fast. Yeah. I'm very, very beyond excited about that. You won't be excited when you hear what I think about it. No, I'm joking. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'll task grab at somebody to come you. kneecap you, dude. <laughs> Pats rabbit a beating. I know what has me excited though, and that is the fact that we only have 5,688 hours until Christmas. That's insane. It actually is going by really fast, even though nothing is happening ever. That is only 237 days. 33 weeks. Can you believe Bye. that? We're we're almost at Leon Day, which by the way, we have yeah. to figure out when we're gonna record that. But bye y'all. off my back. You're not my real dad. Bye, Tom. Hope to find your real dad. Ain't no woman like the one I've got Ain't no woman like the one I've got Ain't no woman like the one I've got Every day the sun comes up around her She can make the birds sing harmony Every drop of rain Must have made her just for me